Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up. Welcome everyone to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. This is referee Aubrey Edwards with my wonderful, beautiful co-host, Tony Schiavone. How are you doing, Tony? I'm great. Don't know if I'm beautiful, but I'm great. You're beautiful in my mind. (laughs) Same to you, Aubrey. Aw. Gosh, we've been doing this for a number of years. We're into 2022 now, so yes, another year. For you and I doing this podcast, I I do want to say this before we get to our great guest. I was recently, uh, last month, in Chicago at C2E2. This is no lie. I had hundreds of people come up to me and tell me how much they enjoy you and I together on this podcast. Oh, I know. Every time we have a show at Dynamite, someone's like, oh my God, I love you and Tony. Your chemistry is so great. I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> like, I just sit on a phone call with my buddy. Yeah. And it, we interview people and it's great. It's, it's great. And we do have a very special interview here today. We do. We have the wonderful, legit Layla Hirsch. Welcome to the show, ma'am. Excited to have you. I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to have you. You've got a wonderful backstory that I think needs to be told a little bit more because I think people will appreciate you more than they already do once they hear. So I know you debuted in Jacksonville, AEW Dark against Hikaru Shida back in October of 2020, which seems like a century ago at this point. So how, how did you end up on AEW Dark? So I had a few people that believed in me. Uh-huh. Doesn't feel good. Yeah, it does feel really good. <laughs> uh, I feel like I had more people believe in me in wrestling than outside of wrestling. So it's nice. I had this one person in particular who kept reaching out to me, you know, saying this might happen for you. And I was like, okay, if it happens, okay. If not, that's cool. The one night I get a text message saying, hey, I think you're going to get booked. And I was like, okay. And then a couple hours later, I get an email from Christopher Daniels saying like that was official, got the whole email, you know, so nerves out of my mind, you know, knowing this is going to be the biggest opportunity of my life. That's how that happened. Then I show up, which is always nerve wracking, you know, meeting new people. This is such a big stage, you know, but thankfully in AW, everybody was just so nice, so welcoming, which was uh, a great feeling, you know. And then, you know, I uh, found out that I was wrestling Hikaru Shida. No pressure. No pressure, right? One of the best, you know. So that was nerve-wracking for me, but uh, this is an opportunity that I had to take, you know. So it was a single swim, and uh, I think I did pretty good against her, you know. <laughs> you, you did. You did do very well. As a matter of fact, then you get booked on Dynamite. So there's a big change as far as the number of viewers, as you know, uh, Layla, between Dynamite and Dark. So you've been on Dark. Now you go to Dynamite, you face a Serena Deeb. It's got to be even more nerve-wracking. How did you prepare for that matchup, knowing that you're going to be seeing 
now in front of millions of people? I barely got to prepare for that match. <laughs> Technically, I was just we were just thrown out there, you know, uh, due to an injury, unfortunately. But as terrifying that was, because that was my first TV experience, you know. The cool part was it was Serena Deep, who I knew would it would be fine. You know what I mean? I trusted my earring ability, and of course, I trusted her. Thankfully, when we went out there, and I had another killer performance, you know. It was a surreal moment for me, too. It, everything happened so quickly, you know, from facing Hikaru Shida, and then the next night on Dynamite, Serena Deep. I can't believe that still. <laughs> both of those, I mean, I tell them, I tell other people at work, like both of them are some of the greatest wrestlers that we have on our roster, not even just women's wrestlers, but both of them have the ability to elevate the talent they're in the ring with. So that's a great way to start. Like, hey, just work with these uh, both awesome legendary people we happen to have. Yeah. Like, <laughs> welcome to AEW. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's October. Come around March. There's the announcement that you've signed with AEW. Tell us about that day. Like, how uh, did you find out on Twitter when everyone else found out? Or how does that happen? Yeah, I found out on Twitter. <laughs> It's funny because, like, once I got there, you know, they might be silly, but my next goal was to have that graphic posted. Because to me, that meant the world. It's like, okay, this is legit, actually. Like, this is really happening. So, you know, when Tony Khan announced me that I was officially signed, I was, like, shaking, you know? I was like, wow, like, I actually did this in a short amount of time as well, you know? So it was awesome, you know? It was, like, it was so nice to see someone like me could make it to the stage, could have this graphic. It meant the world to me. It was like, all right, you know, everything I've done up to up until this point has been worth it. I actually still get chills from it. That's awesome. How was the reaction with your family on that? That had to be pretty cool. They were so proud of me, um, especially my mom, because she supported me since day one. Right. The amount of times I dropped out of school, you know, gave up events. You know, I, I put her through a lot with wrestling, you know. But she stuck by my side since day one, and she was very proud. You know, it was nice to prove her right. You know, you know, all the times I've told her, "Hey, mom, it's gonna pay off." You know, I'm gonna make it. Give me some time, and then showed her that graphic, and it was like, here it is. You know, I did it. Speaking of your family, you were born in Moscow, Russia, which I was shocked to find because your accent is so uh, New Jersey that <laughs> I was just like, no, that can't be. That's that's fake. No way. So born in Moscow, Russia, and you lived in an orphanage until you were adopted at eight years old. Yeah. Like, what do you remember from your time in Russia? Oh, man, a lot. You know, like I said, thankfully, I had my twin sister, Valeria, with me. But Russia, like, I was in an orphanage. So it's just so different from here. They had, like, a whole system for us. Like, we had, like, a whole routine, you know, when we would eat, go out, go to bed. They were very strict. You had some people that were nice, some people that weren't the nicest. You know, the one thing that I loved about Russia was food. I love Russian food. I, you know, I love it. But it was a, it was tough. You know, like if you got in trouble, you'd have to kind of pay for it. You know, I wasn't the best kid. I got in trouble a little bit, you know, because I, I, I love to fight. And, you know, sometimes that uh, cost me. But it was like, I would say it was a great experience, but it was also like, not such a great experience, but I feel like I've learned so much. Being adopted has changed my whole life, you know, because I, if I wasn't adopted, I don't know where I would be right now. 
but you know, even like when I with school, oof, school was rough. I remember when I came here, I had like no patience. I, you know, had a hard time learning, you know, came to the US with no English or anything. And I remember like, felt so bad for my mom when it came to homework and I would ask her to help me and I wouldn't get it. I would snap. I would rip my homework apart. So sorry, mom, you know, I don't know. And I think one thing I miss about Russia is the people I've met. And the cool story with that is when me and my sister got adopted, a month later, one of our best friends from Russia also got adopted. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And she, she now lives in like South Jersey. So it was really cool. Like maybe it was like a year later. I don't remember, but she like called us saying, Hey, do you remember us? And I was like, what? Of course. <laughs> you know, it was sad leaving Russia because that was my home for eight years. But at the same time, it was like, we're about to get a whole new different world, you know, you know, a whole different life. And again, lucky that me and my sister both got adopted because that's not always the case. So thank God. Now, did, you, did your parents adopt both you or did she go to another family, your sister? No, we're both together. Oh, good. That's wonderful. Thankfully. We've got a, uh, we've got a question from uh, Carissa Lopez. We're going to have fan questions later, Layla. But okay. this, this one is kind of important to what we're talking about right now. Uh, Carissa wants to know, how difficult was for you to learn English and what obstacles did you have to overcome in learning a new language? Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. So thankfully, when I was in second grade, I had another kid who spoke fluent Russian. Lucky me. So, and I was in the same class as him and he helped me a lot. But, you know, obviously I needed way more than that. So I had to do speech, thing called ESL. Yeah, English as a second language. Yeah, which I hated. I hated it so much. It was just, it was overwhelming, you know. To me, it was always like I had to be the one catching up with everything. So it was it was tough. I feel like I'm still learning English, honestly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's always interesting I think like I see this a lot with say like Sheeta as well, who's been learning English since she moved to the, the country, but there's, there's so much to the language you learn. And then there's so much to like the idioms and the slang and the different sarcasm itself is a very interesting thing because if you don't understand intention behind words, it's just like, Oh, you can end up in a really weird situation where you're like, why is this person being mean? It's like, Oh no, they're just trying to be funny yeah. and you're just totally lost. So I can't imagine being immediately immersed in a different language and just trying to like not only keep up in school, but also like try and understand what the fuck people are saying. Like, damn, that's, that's crazy. So coming to America, what surprised you most about America? And when you first came over here as a kid, what surprised me? So first airplane, I've never been on an airplane. The first time on an airplane, it was a 10 hour flight. So I just, I think what I remember on the airplane, I was just, run back and forth on the aisle. I just thought that was so much fun. So I'd get up, run back and forth, you know. <laughs> I remember when we got here, I swear to God, like the, the only word we knew was presence. <laughs> yeah. So our parents spoiled us. So as soon as we got to the house, oh, so car, being in the car, that was a rough experience for me. So the first time I got picked up from the airport, we, I think it was maybe an hour and a half drive home. And I just remember I was throwing up the whole time. Wow. I don't know, because I, I was not used to being in the car, mm-hmm. but it was like bag after bag. You know, I know that's disgusting, but that was just my experience. 
came here. You know, I just was not used to that, you know? Right. So then, so yeah, presents were awesome. You know, we, we get that in Russia. I think also celebrating our birthdays. We didn't celebrate our birthdays at all. So when our parents like threw us surprise parties or like, you know, birthday parties, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then sports. When I was in Russia, we didn't do sports. So as soon as I like discovered sports, I discovered soccer, you know, basketball. It was like, wow, okay, this is what I'm good at. And then one other interesting fact I think you find interesting is uh, in Russia, when we had uh, drinks, they would serve them warm. So I think one of the biggest issues I had in Russia was when they gave us milk, it wasn't that great. Oof. I don't remember this, but my mom told me when we came to, to the U.S. for a little while, when we would go to stores, you know how they have like drinks on display? Yeah. So she told me, she was like, you know, you would go to Starbucks and you would ask for a drink, but you would have, you would ask for the drink that was on display because we didn't drink cold drinks. So I just thought, wow, okay. I was like, I don't know how I did that, but okay. Cause I love cold drinks now. <laughs> wow. A lot of adjusting coming here, you know, a lot of adjusting. Yeah. I've, there, there's no question it was. And, uh, you said you discovered a lot of things, and we were talking with Layla Hirsch when she came to the country. Uh, she discovered pro wrestling. We'll hear that story when we continue on AEW Unrestricted. We are talking with legit Layla Hirsch, and you are listening to AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey with you once again this week. Thanks for being with us, and we'll tell you how you can join us a little bit later on. Uh, Layla, 14 years old. When you discovered pro wrestling, watching WWE SmackDown, do you remember the first time you saw wrestling on TV and what was going through your mind at that time? Yeah. So I had no idea what it was. I had a really good friend who loved this stuff, you know, loved wrestling. Basically, how it all happened was we were at my house and we were just watching TV and flipping through channels. Uh, he puts on Friday Night SmackDown and he, just, he literally looks at me and he goes, hey, you know what this is? And I'm like, nope. And as he's talking to me and explaining it to me, I am just so drawn in. So the match that I remember was R-Truth versus Mike Knox. That was the match that I remember. I just remember, you know, literally R-Truth doing R-Truth stuff, uh, you know, the display, the dancing, you know, it was just awesome. And uh, I just also remember the ring, the audience, the whole setup. I kid you not, that moment was like, okay. This is what I want to do. I had no idea what it was. And I remember going downstairs to my mom and I said, hey, mom, what does it take to be a professional wrestler? And she said, start wrestling. That's literally how it all happened. I, like just that one night, my friend showing me wrestling. Somehow I just I got hooked to it. And in my heart, I was just like, wow, this is what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to do it. Wow crazy yeah that is crazy now aubrey's got the next question but i want to do a follow-up quickly so you're saying that in the same night when you first saw wrestling you went to your mom that same night and said i want to be a pro wrestler right same day 100 percent. yeah wow that's absolutely incredible to be just like touched by something that quickly and that deeply that's so awesome uh what were some of your favorite wrestlers so growing up i would say my favorite so jeff hardy instantly drawn to him Ray Mysterio, you know, Randy Orton, <laughs> John Cena, and then, you know, for the girls, Lita, mm -hmm. someone like her doing it, awesome. Uh, Beth Phoenix, 
Maddie. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot. And especially like when, when I started learning about more about wrestling, what went into it, I, I became even more invested. But just just watching it, every time I watched it, I was just in awe. I was just like, wow, how did these guys, girls, how did they do all this? It was inspiring. And it was just like, it just made me want to work hard. And it was like, you know, these guys can do it. Maybe I can do it. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Jeff Hardy. So now Matt Hardy comes to work for us. And that has to be a pretty big deal for you. Did you get to talk to him and pick his yeah. brain about the Hardy boys? Yeah, I mean, I... I I want to get, I would want to pick their brain a little more knowing that Matt was there. You know, I marked out a little bit, you know, I was like, Oh, I remember going to so many shows, getting pictures with them, having them framed. Wow. It, that's the other, such a cool thing for me working with AW is all these childhood heroes, everybody that I looked up to. I still can't believe that I get to go to work and work with them and actually talk to them, pick their brains. Every time I walk in, I'm like, wow. This is my job. We feel the same way. Yeah. It's like you walk <laughs> in and there's some of these people that are just like, oh my God, like you, you're the reason I watch wrestling or you're the reason that I wanted to get into this. And it's like, hey, what's up? When you see them in catering, it's just wacky. Yeah, right? It's, it's so wild. So you wrestled in high school. Can you talk a bit about your amateur wrestling background and kind of how that bled into wrestling? Yeah. So it was, so after my mom told me, you know, to be a professional wrestler, start wrestling. A year later, in eighth grade, I started wrestling. Out of all the sports I've ever done, amateur wrestling was the toughest. I was joining a guy's team. There was no girls team. Uh, as a matter of fact, they kind of discouraged that. They didn't want girls. Sure. You know, I thankfully had one other girl with me. When I did wrestling, when I started wrestling, you know, I could be honest with this. When I did, like, soccer, basketball, I didn't really take it that serious. I was kind of cocky. I was like, yeah, I'm good with this. I'm good. All like you were kind of cocky, I, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so when it came to wrestling, it kicked my ass. That was like the first sport where I was not natural at it. I had to like learn from scratch, you know. Uh, and it was just so physical and demanding on your body. So getting through eighth grade was like, okay, I did it. But now the toughest thing was high school wrestling. That wasn't to be messed with. So. You know, I signed up for it. And the first year was, you know, it was rough. But I also learned that in order for me to actually get through this, I had to give it my all. And especially because I was pursuing professional wrestling, having that having that in mind, I gave up all my other sports. I decided to, you know, at the end of my senior year to get a scholarship. That was my goal. So I wrestled with the guys. And then I discovered that there was also girls tournaments and national tournaments. So I also started wrestling girls. So one of the hardest things with wrestling was keeping my weight. Because in weight, uh, in wrestling, you have to keep your weight classes. And I've had to do some crazy stuff to lose weight. Where I would literally starve myself, wear sweat, uh, like three sweaters, sweatpants. It was bad. It was yeah. like the one time I think I, I was in Fargo, I had to lose 10 pounds in two days. Oh. It was bad. I couldn't eat. I was just sucking on like ice cubes, taking cold showers. You know, it was a nightmare. It was bad. <laughs> but I think my soft, yeah, my sophomore year, I was getting better. And then my goal was to get uh, a scholarship. Because even at this time, I didn't know how to get into professional wrestling school. I, I had no idea. So I was just like, all right, let me go to college. Let me get into the wrestling. So 
you know, a cool thing for me was I did win New Jersey Girl States, which was, you know, to me, it was like it was such a big accomplishment. And then my senior year, I got a scholarship to Life University in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So that was a really big moment for me. You know, again, one of the things I didn't know if I could accomplish and I did. And then what a coincidence. I was when I did training, we had another girl that came by. She was awesome. So another thing that I had to kind of like get away from was a lot of times when I was younger and people asked me, what was my dream? What were my goals? I would be scared to say professional wrestling because I got picked on a lot. And there's a lot of times when people told me, like, you know, asked me, I kind of be like, oh, you know, go to college, you know, all that, you know. And then again, my mom, you know, said later, like, what are you scared of? This is one of the most popular things in the world. I'm so glad she said that to me because it was like, yeah, you know what? Forget all those people. They hate. They make fun of me for it. This is what I want to do. So senior year when I was training with this girl and we were done with practice, she asked me, she was like, you know, what do you want to do? And I told her, I was like, I want to be a professional wrestler. She was like, oh, well, I know a professional wrestler. Gave me his number, messaged him. Within two minutes, he replied. That's how I discovered CCW. So going to CCW show for the first time, indie show. I didn't even know the indies existed. Had no idea. And to go to the first show, to have CCW as my first show, <laughs> I was like, wait, you have this too? Like, it's not just... At that time, WWE. So went there. I met everybody. I met the owner. Basically, he talked to me about it and everything. That next Monday, I went and had a tryout. Kicked ass in a tryout, passed, and got to step in the ring. Stepped in the ring, and I was like, I have to do this. I have to give up my scholarship because in my mind, I can start this now at 19 years old. Or I can wait until I'm 24 to get into this. Yeah. So, you know, I decided to give up my scholarship. You know, that was very tough on my parents. Oof, that was very tough. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I had to fight them and fight them and just tell them, like, please, like, it's going to be worth it. I know I worked so hard for this, but the only reason I even did amateur wrestling was because of professional wrestling. You know, every time I went to practice and training, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this because I want to be a professional wrestler. You know, that was a bit of a fight with my dad. I struggled a lot, like a lot. But again, thankfully with my mom, she had my back and she was like, all right, Layla, you know, so she told me I would have to go to community college, which I did. And then I was like, ah, I can't do this. I just want to focus on wrestling, which again was like, you know, they weren't so happy with it. But that's when I was just like, give me time, mom, just give me time. I will work my ass off and I will, I will make it. So yeah, I gave up my scholarship, pursue wrestling. And so, yeah, when I first, when I first saw CCW, it hooked me in. I was like, okay, I'm doing this now. That's when I started training. I get it. It's one of those career defining moments, right? Life defining moments for you, either going to college or doing what you want to do. I, I get it. So you went to Japan, right? And you were in stardom for a time, right? That had to be quite an experience for you. Yeah, it was crazy because, so when I got to wrestling, the number one thing I heard was stardom. Go to stardom. That could be a career-defying thing for you, right? So how that happened was really crazy because before I went to Japan, I was in Germany, WXW, which was like another great experience for me. And before that, I was training with Sumi Sakai. 
So I went to school with Cheeseburger and her in training. It was funny because it was right before I went to Germany. She told me, hey, Layla, like I'm talking to some people in Japan to get you there. And that was like another thing where I was like, okay, if it happens, it happens. So I went to Germany, killed it there. And then I get a text message from Sumi Sakai saying, hey, Layla, you're going to Japan. I didn't believe it. I was like, what are you talking about, Sumi? And I just was like, there's no way. And then she called me. She's like, yeah, you know, you're going to be wrestling for stardom. And I was just like shaking because I was like, again, something I didn't think I was able to, you know, at some point I didn't, you know, I didn't know if this would ever happen. And here I am, Sumi Sakai saying, I'm going to go. That was the longest flight I've been on, 14 hours, I think, you know, so it was like longer than Russia. I was like, all right, I can do it. And it was just crazy because I left on New Year's Eve. And then literally, I think it was like the next day I had my first match and it was a three-way match. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was nerve wracking because one, the language barrier. And we were the first match. And I remember the two girls that, you know, got there and they were just like, yeah, we're on first, you know, and they were basically telling me like what we're going to do. And then they were just like, here, you insert your your things here, which I wasn't used to. I was, I, I'm so used to like talking about it, like coming up with my own ideas. But I guess it was a good thing. I didn't really have to do much because it was like first time in Japan, you know. Thankfully, that match went really well. But it was such a different learning experience from wrestling here and then wrestling in Japan. I'd say it was tough because the psychology threw me off. To me, it was something was very confusing. You know, I got to work with Hannah, which was awesome because she was the she was like the first person there that made me feel welcomed. She also spoke a little bit of English. Right. I remember when, you know, Rossi told me, you know, would you like to be part of, you know, Cyber Squad? I was like, of course. Like, this is a badass team. I fit perfectly in here, you know? I just remember, like, every time we would, you know, call matches. And we would do a thing that's called speak. So we we would meet up, like, a day before, you know, and just go over everything, which was helpful. But I also just remember a lot of a lot of it was like it's them calling the match, and then again they'd say, "Hey, Layla, what do you want to do here and here?" And some of the stuff I would they would call it to me, and I'd kind of be like, "It doesn't make sense." I had a hard time with it, you know. And it was funny because Hannah was really cool with it. So when I made a face, she'd be like, "Layla, okay, what's wrong now?" <laughs> it took a while to get used to it. It was definitely a great experience. You know, it made me feel more confident in like the language barrier. You know, it's like, okay, if I could do this in Japan, you know, if I go to a different country, I'd be more comfortable. But it was definitely the culture was so different. It was so clean. I have never been in a country that was so clean. Yeah. The food was awesome. Like my favorite was Korean barbecue. So good. Korean barbecue. So good. <laughs> that you that you cook yourself on the table? Yeah. The hibachi, yeah. That's good stuff over there. Yeah. yeah, and it was like some of the stuff I would never try. Like the first time I tried cow tongue. Yeah. It was delicious. Whatever sauce they had, it was delicious. Exactly. And tripe. Yeah. That's another one over there. Real chewy, but real delicious. We are talking with Layla Hirsch. Layla, coming up, we're going to field some fan questions. And that's coming up next on AEW Unrestricted. Everyone, welcome to AEW Unrestricted. Here we've been having a wonderful conversation with Layla about her world travels and her overcoming language barriers and different psychology of different types of wrestling in different countries and just fascinating, fascinating shit. And uh, got 
bunch of fun fan questions coming up. Man, these are some good ones. Uh, Miguel Ortiz on Twitter asks, have you gotten to learn any cool submissions from people on the roster like Taz or Brian Danielson? Not yet. <laughs> With Taz, I, I picked his brain a little bit when I got there because he was another wrestler that I, I loved. Brian, not yet. Well, hopefully I'll get there, but he's busy. He's a busy guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Yeah. Just a little tip. Yeah, stay away from Taz. He's a miserable piece of shit, so you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Just just kidding. <laughs> Darren Cavanaugh wants to know, what's been your favorite match in AEW that you've competed in since you've been here, and why? All right, so I have to say the first one was uh, Hikaru Shida. To me, that, that will always be special. And then my set, I have to say Serena Deeb as well. Sure. Right now, those two. It's pretty great that your favorites are... Two of your first ones at the company. It's a nice, yeah. fantastic way to start. Good memories. Good memories. Uh, we have a question from David Bedwell. After your top class showing versus Camille at the NWA Empower event, how do you hope to capture that same level of performance at AEW? I think for me, it's just patience and getting the opportunity. I just, you know, when the opportunity comes, I know I can kill it. So I would love to have that kind of match now in AEW. It's just the time and the patience for me, but it will come, you know, and when that moment does come, I'm going to kill it, you know, with whoever I get. Uh, this is a good question. And we get this question, really uh, something that interests me a lot from all the wrestlers. This is from Rain Tech. After the pandemic era, and that's when you started right in the middle of the pandemic, you're, we're in Jacksonville and there's no fans, but now the pandemic era kind of comes to an end. You come out, there's a big cheer and big pop from the fans. How did that feel for you? It was awesome. It was nerve-wracking, too, because it's like you said, we weren't with fans for a while. Are they going to pop for me when I come out now? Right. And thankfully, when I had my match, they did. It was a great feeling because I feed off the fans a lot, you know, off the crowd. I do, you know. The first time coming out before All Out, it was a surreal moment. And it was like, wow, okay, we actually might be getting back to the norm. So it was, a, it was a great feeling, and it was just great having the fans there, you know, because I feel like the, the feeling was mutual, you know. They were just as happy to be there as we were there to perform in front of them. Right. It was a great feeling. Got a great question from Michael James that I kind of wish we'd ask every wrestler when we have on here. So after you first debuted, Michael says, I watched you gain about a thousand plus Twitter followers in real time. What does that feel like? And did you recognize how immediately compelling you came across as a character? So it's funny. I'm not the type of person to really, it's great having followers. It is, but I don't try to focus on that. I want that to be natural. So after the AEW, yeah, I got so many more followers. And to me, it was like, it shows that people care for me. That's what it meant to me, that people cared for me and that I was doing something right for them to care. That was really awesome to see. I have 27 now, which to me, I thought I would never get there. So it is pretty cool. But I, I just, I love that it's natural. And it's nice to see that I have that kind of support behind me. Jen Kensen, that's Jen Kensen. Who are you, the inspirations for your wrestling style? I, I would say amateur wrestling. I honestly feel like if I didn't do amateur wrestling, I wouldn't be this type of wrestler. And also training at CCW. I wasn't going to be a girl that put on a lot of makeup. I wanted people to believe in everything that I did in the ring. And then I studied a lot of Kerrangle, you know, Taz. 
even like UFC I watched, you know, like Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler. So to me, it's inspiring seeing people like them because they're different. When I wrestle, I don't go off my looks. You know, I don't, that's not my goal. I have a question from Rassel Kwame. Uh, you mentioned a bunch of your wrestlers uh, that you followed growing up, Jeff Hardy, Lita, a lot of these guys. Who are your favorite wrestlers to watch now? I'll say Daniel Bryan, Eddie Kingston. Oh, my God. When I watched this match with Daniel Bryan, I was just like, this is wrestling. This is wrestling. Right. And also when I watched, so Hikaru Shida and Serena Deep, the three matches they've had, that's to me, that's just, that's wrestling. And when Serena wrestled Riho. Oh, my God. I just remember, like, that's the type of match I want to have. Recently, like, those have been my favorite. And obviously, you know, the match Hangman and Daniel Bryan had, too. Like, that's awesome, you know? And to go an hour on national TV, that's incredible. There's a lot of matches, but to me, those stood out to me. It was like, damn, like, can I have this match? <laughs> Rebel Fox wants to know, uh, Layla, as someone who has competed in intergender matches in the past, do you think female wrestlers are better served being able to work with anyone, or do you prefer the divisions, male and female, to be separate? I don't want to get heat for this. I honestly love intergender wrestling. Oh, I do too. For me personally, because I think it's helped me and it has shown me what I can do and the limit that, you know, the limit for me. I love wrestling girls, but to me, it makes me work when I wrestle the guys. And I love hard hitting. I just, I love it. You know, I might sound crazy for that, but I just love that. So I love intergender wrestling. I know people have their opinions about it. I think it actually helps a lot of the women. I think it's one of those... When you work with more people, it makes you a better wrestler or better worker in general, just because you have so many different experiences you can pull from. So from the perspective of, say, limiting yourself to a smaller group versus having access to other people, I think independent of like the gender question of divisions, it's like if you work with everyone, you have the opportunity to learn so much more. That's how I see it. Styles of wrestling. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Question from Chris Schmidt. Who is on the AEW women's roster do you want to have a full-on feud with? Okay, so uh, Serena won. Serena. If she's not on top of your list, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, also Ty Conti. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Akai or Aki Earth. Sorry if I messed up your handle there, Akai Earth. After listening to you talk, I don't know if you have some hobbies outside of wrestling. It seems like wrestling is completely uh, taking up your time and your, your energy. But AK Earth wants to know, what are some of your hobbies outside of wrestling? I don't know if it's a hobby, but I love going to the movies. Oh, that's definitely a hobby. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I love going to the movies. Again, just hanging with friends. I like chilling. If I don't do wrestling, I just I like to spend time with my family. But hang with friends, too. Sometimes it's good not to talk all about wrestling. That's hard for me, too, though, because I feel like I always just talk about wrestling. But I'd, I'd say the number one hobby is going to the movies and just watching movies in general. I love movies. It's wonderful. It's so hard when, like, wrestling is your whole life. And it's like, oh, I should probably be a person that's not just all about wrestling. I know. Otherwise, you try and have conversations with people, and you're like, I don't know how to interact with human beings that aren't wrestlers. <laughs> I run into that a lot. I don't know if you do, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Well... Thank you, Layla, for being here today. This was absolutely wonderful. I love getting to hear about all of your past and uh, your present, and I'm very excited to see what's in your future. 
You can follow Layla on Instagram, legit underscore Layla underscore, and on Twitter at legit Layla. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, you can listen and follow this podcast, AW Unrestricted, for free wherever you get your podcast. And check out the video episodes on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. And Aubrey, what about our TV shows? Ooh, you can find us on YouTube Mondays and Tuesdays for Elevation and Dark. You can catch us on TBS. Now we're taking over multiple networks. Uh, Wednesday nights, Dynamite, 8 o'clock, 7 central on TBS. And then Rampage on TNT on Fridays, 10 o'clock, 9 central. Oh, yeah, we're taking over. We're everywhere now. Oh, yeah. I'm Aubrey Edwards here with my wonderful co host, Tony Schiavone. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted. 